Hello humans, hello humans. Heading back out now. Started early, so we're getting a early uh, return. And I'm heading back. I've got a interview today with um, Lee Merritt, Dr. Merritt. Gonna talk to her for a while this afternoon. But we're also, I've also got to connect with um, uh, this group of linguists that I'm working with. We've got a, um, well, okay, so it's, it's factual that a lot of languages uh, basically have uh, histories and origin stories of themselves. And so, um, depending on how you want to look at it, um, like Sanskrit has an origin story uh, that says that Brahma, the you know the great god Brahma, gave um, humans language and writing, and uh, Sanskrit was uh, Sanskrit and Patriti, which is the practical um, form of the language, are um, were given to us, and uh, we see this same concept in Mesoamerican. Uh, glyph language, you know, the um, Incas and the Mayas, all of those guys, they have origin myths that say that uh, language and the ability to encode language in these glyphs was given to them by the, um, by the gods. And uh, we, we keep seeing this repeatedly. What's really interesting to me and a bunch of other guys, once I pointed it out to them, is that we do not have that uh, stuff in the um, Christian Bible or the the Torah. Okay, neither of these. Or now the Bible, of course, is mostly the Torah, badly translated, deliberately badly translated. If you really want to read what's in the Old Testament, which is um, mind blowing, totally eye opening kind of a construct, you should read the Naked Bible, where uh, Mauro Piglino is translating it like word for word and telling you uh, when he runs into words that have no translation. So um, Jewish people will tell you that the Talmud is referencing its commentary and its um, uh, critiques on the uh, Old, Old Testament, on the Torah, and that within the Torah it talks about God doing all this kind of stuff. Well, the fact of the matter is, there is no mention of God in any form uh, of that word in the Torah, okay? It specifically refers to the El, and the Elohim is the plural of the El. The El is a, uh, the Elohim is a group of uh, space aliens that came in and conquered the Essenes, who were 12 tribes uh, that were living in the south of Yemen, um, uh, south of, you know, in the, in the boot, in the heel of the boot of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. And they were conquered in about 20 minutes by the L, and they were force-marched over many, many, many months uh, up the side of the Red Sea until they got to Judea. It is from this occurrence that we get the badly, translation, badly translated uh, version where supposedly the, the Jews, not the Judeans, so the Jews put themselves in there, 
They, there were no Jews in Palestine. There were no Jews associated with the Torah or the Bible story, any of that. They don't come into it until the 1280 AD. Anyway, uh, but the Jews were never in uh, the Bible, and the Judeans uh, were never in Egypt. They were never doing anything with the pyramids. They were never slaves of the Pharaoh. In fact, the Egyptians, they don't have that word in their language. Okay, so the word Pharaoh is a uh, phonetic, it's a transliteration of a, of a phonetic word in the Essene language, which meant tribal leader. And so, the, so each of the 12 tribes had a Pharaoh. And they just translated this in, but the Egyptians didn't use that word. They've never used that word. It's only been in modern term, modern times, that they've used the word and only for tourists. The Egyptian kings, the Valley of the Kings, it wasn't called the Valley of the Pharaohs, it was called the Valley of the Kings. And so you look at the language for all of these different clues, right? Anyway, so this linguistic group I'm dealing with, um, we're hunting origin stories throughout all of these languages because we find that the gods, uh, you know, plural form, lower case, uh, all referencing space aliens, superior beings, um, all of that, uh, is repeatedly shown up. Okay, so every language you go to, um, there's one language, um, one small language isolated to a, an island in uh, the South Pacific that has an origin story that does not, as far as we can tell, involve any <laughs> space aliens. But it's the rarity. Uh, they either, if they've got an origin story for the language, it always goes to the gods handing the language and the text and the, uh, you know, the ability to write uh, down to humans. And um, sometimes some very interesting um, side effect or, or, or side cul-de-sacs there where some of the languages, uh, they say uh, there's actually... Use all right, so a consistent thing in all of these origin stories is that among the gods, there are battles as to whether or not to give humans scripts, whether or not to give humans writing. Okay, and, and frequently it says that if we give humans writing, they will have the ability to uh, reconstruct their past and, and recover their past, and thus we, the gods, are doomed. And so, um, uh, so the gods um, counted on us not knowing shit and being kept in a state of ignorance such that they could rule and always pretend to be gods when they're just space aliens, right? And so that, that was the sort of the rationale for all of this. We see that, uh, I mean, we found about, a, I think maybe there's like 12 or so stories, origin stories in languages where there are disputes in the gods as to how much language and how much writing to give to humans. Anyway, what's really interesting is not so much that. Okay, so... I like patterns, and I love to find uh, patterns where the pattern fails, okay? So I love to falsify patterns because it tells me so much about what's going on. And so it is unique among the major um, civilization centers that we do not find an origin story for language within the the complex of the Torah, the Old Testament, the Christian Bible, and the Talmud. In the Zohar, we have all of the, the origin crap 
uh, relative to um, um, Talmudic, Kabbalistic, um, uh, uh, Judaism, right? Um, but here's the thing. There, it's a different uh, set of subject, and it always goes back to the L anyway. And in the um, the origin stories here for the that we get out of the Bible, that we get out of the Talmud and the Torah, it ignores the whole issue of language and all of this, all right? And so here is our, here's the consensus in our little group of um, batshit linguists as to what we think uh, sort of happened, okay? And what we think sort of happened was that there was, and we, we start with um, uh, the, the Sanskrit, and Chinese, all right? So if you're a space alien and you come to Earth and you want to come down and muck about with stuff, you're going to go to the place where there's the largest population. And, uh, you know, that's going to be like the center of the world for you. And so you go there and then you decide, okay, we're going to conquer and, and take over. Well, you might as well take over the biggest of all the civilization and have more slaves and so on, right? Why go and take over a little backwater somewhere? Any, unless you have to, unless you're forced to. Anyway, so uh, so what we think happened was that there was an expeditionary force of some size. And there's reasons to think this, but there, that there were a quarter of a million individuals in this expeditionary force. That this expeditionary force landed in what we would call uh, India today, okay? In the in an area in the um, Hindu Kush Uh and that they set up in the mountains there, and then they came out of those mountains and they conquered India, and uh, gave us Sanskrit, uh, gave us uh, the languages that Sanskrit encodes, and all of the rules and all of this. They taught us to build uh, Vaimani, which are stone spaceships. So you know they're they're stone and they fly. <laughs> you know, big thick stone, right? Um, these space aliens were, were in the process of um, uh, detailing characteristics about them. You can do this through the various different uh, uh, reports of their existence and their interaction with humans. You can deduce uh, certain characteristics that are consistent from uh, language report to language report, and then you come up with sort of a view of these guys and their social order and their structures. Anyway, so uh, the fundamental part of this is that they land in uh, India and China, uh, two groups, and of course that makes sense. If you're sending an expeditionary force, you don't want to concentrate it all in one spot. So if there's something unexpected, like you know, uh, the natives know how to you know produce a volcano under your ass as you're as you're you know setting your spaceship down on the planet, then you don't lose everybody all at once, right? And so you split it up into into two expeditionary groups. We know that they landed. We suspect that they landed. And I'll say no, but we really suspect. Okay, so we're deducing and making conclusions on a lot of this. But I'll describe it as though it were um, that, you know, that factually we knew this happened. So we suspect, right? And so we suspect that these guys landed uh, Hindu Kush and then in um, uh, western China, in, in, uh, just actually north of Hindu Kush, and um, then they set about taking over. Now, they're not... Uh, okay, so uh, it is possible that this group was not cohesive, that there were uh, elements in it that were battling other elements in it, and that would propel our little story along 
uh, a couple of different ways. It's also possible that this group that landed here was being uh, chased, right? And, uh, you know, they might be chased, but lagging by a hundred years or uh, even a thousand years, right? So somebody was after them. That, that could be the case. What we know is that they got into a war here, a really big war. Uh, the big war caused damage to the planet. Um, we suspect that the uh, the majority of, of the Sahara Desert uh, was created as a result of this war, and that there are other scars here on Earth from this war. Um, at some point in the war, it was decided by this group, whatever the hell, the devas, that's what they were called in India, uh, again, meaning gods, right? Uh, divine beings. Um, these guys decided to take off, all right? So they may have been here a thousand years, two thousand years. We just do not know at this stage the duration because all of our um, duration clues, how uh, time clues have been fucked over by the Khazarians. So anyway, so uh, at some point, something occurs and this expeditionary force leaves. Now, before they leave, there's all these fierce battles and this kind of thing. Maybe it was radiation, okay? There's some hints that these people were uh, very radiation sensitive in a way that humans are not, that we can take more rads than they can. Anyway, so whatever it was, something drove them off the planet. Now, at some point, several hundred years before the main expeditionary force left, but after the big war, uh, there was a an occurrence. And we don't know what the cause of the occurrence was, but there's a couple of possible occurrence uh, causes that we can sort of fixate on. Uh, one of them was that there was a uh, like an internal battle with the expeditionary force in a small group, so a coup d'etat kind of thing, uh, fails. And this small group has to flee the main body of the expeditionary force because they're fighting with that main body. Maybe they tried to take over. We just don't know. Um, something occurs, okay? It could be that there was no um, coup or whatever and that there was an, another landing. Uh, anyway, so the, the upshot of it is that something occurs and there is a fight uh, between the expeditionary force and the L, okay? At this point, uh, the L are living in what we now call Ukraine. And so they had landed there and taken over the... Um, the Khazarians, okay? So they had conquered the Khazarians, the El had. And they had um, uh, fierce battles. The Khazarians, uh, you know, just capitulated within mere minutes. And uh, so the, the El owned that region. Now, at some point, we suspect that there were, whether they, the El were a secondary force that landed or whether they were part of the original force, there is this... Uh, a state of uh, of contention exists between the L and the Devas, the other main body of the expeditionary force that is in India and China. 
you know, and some of them have moved to Maui and uh, in Hawaii. Some of them moved to, you know, Australia for a bit. Uh, they're in Japan. So at that point, the, the space aliens have taken over large chunks of Earth and have spread the expeditionary force out. And, uh, and like I say, we know things that we can, we can deduce from uh, written reports about uh, the space aliens and their actions during this period of time. And it would seem that the main body of the expeditionary force was reasonably cohesive as a social structure, but there was this other group. Whether it was internal to that group when they started out or not, we don't know. But nonetheless, there's a point of contention, and the L are highlighted by this, uh, this contention. And so the L in the Ukraine uh, and the, the Devas in... Um, uh, India, they have a battle. They have it's not a war; it's a battle, and uh, this battle is um, it's real fierce. Uh, just seeing a bear stomping through some woods out here, uh, through some brush. Oh, I see. Uh, it's been moved on by county workers, so they it, it apparently been living in a big brush area, and the county's down there doing something, so it's moving out. Anyway, so um, it's probably about three hundred pounds. Very, very fit and uh, and fat. Anyway, so the L and the Devas have a fight, and the L get get the shit kicked out of them. Okay, there are hints in the Zohar, which is the Kabbalistic understanding of reality, that uh, the L lost half their people at that point. So the L, much reduced, flee. They hop in their spaceships, their Rach the spaceship that would fly over water. Some of them did not, so uh, we don't know what the mechanisms were. But these guys, basically, the the personal uh, ships that they're using appear to be plasma drive jets, okay? They don't use, like, jet fuel, per se. They use something to create plasma, and then the plasma creates the superheated air, and these things take off, very much like they would you know, a, a vertical takeoff and landing jet today, only they're not having to tank up all the time because of whatever their power source is. And they create the plasma, the plasma superheats the air, and there you go. Anyway, though, so um, the L leave uh, under conditions of a very hasty retreat. They leave the Kazarian um, people. They abandon them. And so here we have all of the uh, there, so if you really look at it this way, if you, if you postulate this kind of an environment and then you put the, uh, the Torah, the Talmud and, uh, our understanding of, um, uh, Jewish culture in that picture, then you can see where we get all of these, uh, deep psychological scars, uh, that are showing up in the, um, in the Torah and stuff about the abandonment and all of the other uh, emotional causing uh, interactions between the L and the Jews, right? Anyway, though, so at that point, the L take off with their uh, plasma airplanes and get the fuck out of town because they're getting the shit kicked out of them by the devas. And they go to the south of Yemen, go to Yemen in, this, in the boot of the in the heel of the boot of the Saudi Peninsula. And there they conquer the 12 tribes of the Essenes, set about organizing them and making them do this forced march. And then all of the uh, stuff that occurs in the Torah happens. And then 
many, many, many centuries later, it is mistranslated again by the Khazarians so that they can tie their lineage in with the Essenes, both groups having been conquered by the El. And the um, Khazarians, recognizing in the Bible and everything, uh, in the Torah, uh, the language about the people that had conquered them. Now, there's other ancillary things that inform the Khazarians that are um, not usually spoken about. We don't usually see them. Uh, like, so chat GPT would deny that it exists, say it's a conspiracy theory, and so on. But there is a group of Khazarians that, that are the Khazarian royals, and they are of the opinion, because of their own origin stories, that they were genetically modified uh, by the L to create a superior human. So they think of themselves, this is where Zionism comes from. This is where the um, uh, idea of Jews must rule over everybody and that everybody else is a goyim uh, or a goy, which is a cattle, a beast, okay? And so all humans are beasts to the Jews because of this Khazarian influence, because the Khazarians themselves, this small group of royals, believe that they have this extra bit of DNA that I call the dongle. And they actually describe it. I mean, you can get into some deep literature if you go into like PubMed and this stuff and go into some of the genomics uh, crap in there, especially uh, where they have these studies of Jewish DNA, uh, some of which, by the way, will admit that 98.9%, so only 1.1% uh, of all the people around thinking themselves Jews have any connection genetically to any of the people in the Bible. And so these were the Judeans that lived in the region when the Jews came in and conquered Palestine uh, by virtue of psychological warfare. So they created a psychological warfare condition in which they made the rest of the planet believe that they had a claim to lands that no Jew had ever uh, owned. Okay, so there were no Jews in the Bible. So they have no claims to Judea. This is what makes me an anti-Semite. I'm not an anti-Semite, but they use anti-Semitism so that you can't uh, criticize them, right? And thus the Khazarians can remain hidden. This is a very complex psychological operation at so many levels. And the, and the Khazarians, um, and to a certain extent the Judeans, although it didn't take with the Judeans, but the Khazarians are really into psychological warfare, okay? Because that was the way that the L used to control uh, the humanity that they conquered. So if you go to bed at night uh, and you're, you're surrounded by a thousand slaves that you technically own, what's to keep the slaves from you know waking up in the middle of the night and making sure you don't? and then freeing themselves. Well, the only thing that prevents that is what you instill in the mind of the slave to prevent that. And so we see that the space aliens were really hot on psychological warfare and understanding the, uh, the beasts that they had to conquer and control. And they, they inculcated a lot of this into the Khazarians who put it into the, um, uh, the uh, uh, Talmud and reference the Torah as their legitimizing part of it all. So you'll hear Jews say that, oh yeah, God in the, you know, you read the Talmud, God this, God that. And it's like, no, you know, very, there are books in the, there are 63 books in the Talmud. There are some of them that treat the Torah 
uh, as a legitimate chronicle of interaction with space aliens, just the way that the Zohar does. But others are like this, you know, oh, they, they come up with apologetics. Okay, so most of the Talmud is either apologetics, commentary, or comedy in, um, in my understanding. The apologetics go to the idea that they say uh, uh, El and Elohim, that the word Elohim, which means many space aliens, plural space aliens, is interpreted, interpreted not as gods, but by the, by the religious Jews, by those people that think that, or that have, uh, are uh, Jewish and have bought the Khazarian's lies about how Jews uh, are connected to the Bible and all of this, these people will tell you that, no, 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 Goyim doesn't mean, or, or um, Elohim doesn't mean many space aliens. It means the multiplicity of God, okay? And so, it's like, dude, you know, you're coming up with all of this apologetics to try and make me believe shit that is not real. And so I'm a practical guy, right? If you write down that, you know, this son of a bitch came along and he killed my uh, my aunt and my uncle and four cousins and used this jet airplane, I don't care what age you wrote that in, I'll accept it that you were trying to communicate that he came, that the space alien came along and used this jet and killed a bunch of your people. And I'm not going to try and um, massage it to fit the current ethos. Okay, so there's another reason that the Jewish people don't like me. Or rather, that the organizations, uh, you know, people will, will frame it as anti-Semitism. And it's not. I, you know, it's because I don't believe the Jews are Semitic, right? I'm not even anti-Jew, right? I know that I am at war with the Khazarians, and I have been at war with the Khazarians all of my life, including those periods of time when I was unaware that they were at war with me. But that's, that's where we are now, and um, the war and the complexity is um, busting out, okay? So it's going to take a long time for the... Uh, nuance and the complications of this war to be uh, enumerated for everybody, to be in the history books. It's going to take a hell of a long time. And we will um, we will go, go through much before we get there. But at least we are opening it up. And so it's not really a war of Russia against Ukraine. You've got to look at all of this stuff in a different way, right? Um we're still fighting all of these battles for a thousand-plus-year-old war. Only most people on the planet are not aware that it's ongoing. Strange damn set of circumstances. The, um, the linguistics here in our little linguistic tribe of old men looking at language... Um, we think there. Okay, so we suspect that the Khazarians at this time are motivated by you know any number of, of things, but that there's a um, an underlying pressure on their thinking as to time, and that there is an underlying pressure on their thinking as to the um, prophetic aspects of uh, the Torah, the Talmud, and the Zohar. 
not the Bible, because the Bible's mistranslated. So, uh, if you go and read the actual Bible and read the translation of it, you get a, a, a real impression as to what's going on. You need to know the history of the El and the Khazarians to understand why we have these uh, prophetic things of the second coming, right, of the return. And it's because the Khazarians, the core Khazarians, the royals, which, you know, there's they've interbred with all kinds of people. There, You know, there's probably millions of people that are in this um, cult, right, uh, of the Khazarians. And they've created other cults like the trans cult, like the climate cult, all of these kind of things. Again, this is their weapon of choice. They like psychological warfare because the ill were so good at it and they... Uh, pushed it out into the Khazarians, all right? But the Khazarians, in the opinion of our little linguistic tribe here, are being pressured because they think that the L are coming back. Now, in our little tribe, we debate whether there's a factual uh, reason to think that. And there's a lot of us that doubt that. I'm, I'm in there as well. The language that they've got that suggests of a, a second coming the return of the ill, all of this kind of stuff is, in my opinion, is based on the uh, abandonment issues of the ill uh, hitting uh, the community of the Khazarians twice because the uh, they abandoned the Khazarians and then they went and um, uh, all the ill were living in uh, the Middle East, right? They moved out of Ukraine and were middle, living in the Middle East after the big war. Later on, the Khazarians discovered this. And so the Khazarians had this abandonment issue when the L just took off after this battle uh, that they lost. And uh, the Khazarians are left saying, oh, fuck, you know. Anyway, so um, there's this second coming myth that appears to date from that point where the L first leave the... Um, uh, midst of the Khazarians. Maybe somebody in there, you know, as they're taken off, shouts down at the uh, at the tribes of Khazarians down there, don't worry, we'll be back. You guys stay here, hold them off. We're going to go get help, you know, or something, right? Some kind of language that made them think uh, that these people were going to return. And then we see this uh, picked up again in the um, uh, 1300s as the Bible and the Torah are reworked as they're reinterpreted, as we start getting into the Talmud, which is basically a reinterpretation of all of this and uh, ignores all of the space alien parts of it, that sort of thing. Anyway, and so uh, so I'm not convinced that we've got a second coming. The, the Gazarians are, and they apparently are thinking that this second coming was going to be scheduled around 2050. That's why they had to get all their shit together before then. Uh, the Khazarians think that they were giving, given dominion over uh, humanity, that they were given all of the goy, all the goyim, uh, the cattle, the beasts, uh, to rule over by the El. Uh, the Khazarians are not really stupid. They know that none of us are going to accept all of this. You know, I don't accept 
Zionism. I don't accept uh, Jewish masters. I don't accept the uh, bad translation of the Bible and the fucked up uh, 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 language in the Torah uh, being interpreted as uh, meaning any of this stuff. That you know. So if you're Jewish and you uh, refuse, and if you tell me that the word God appears in the Torah, then you know we don't have much to talk about. You're ignoring the facts of the language in the book. And I'm happy to talk to you if you're Jewish and you want to talk about all this stuff because there's a whole lot of this stuff I don't understand because I'm not uh, steeped in Hebrew, right? Anyway, those that, that gets back to this point here real quick and I'll wrap up. The, uh, the lack of a uh, origin story for Hebrew, okay? The Hebraic language, script and everything, has no origin story that can be found anywhere. And in fact, it turns out that the Essenes were speaking Hebrew and that there were um, uh, Hebraic language variants all throughout the Middle East before the El landed. Whereas the landing of the Devas in, um, in India was so long ago that there was no predating language that survived. There's, there's arguments about that, but nonetheless, it didn't survive in mass. So there is no origin story. So the, the um, Essenes, the Judeans, were using uh, Hebrew. They spoke Hebrew. None of the Khazarians speak Hebrew. They speak Yiddish. What they did was to transliterate German and just type it, you know, the Teutonic language that's the basis for German, and, and put it into the Hebrew script. So, it's, um, so Yiddish is a made-up language. Uh, it, it arrives in the 1300s. It has an origin story, and we know what its origin story is. It comes from the time that the Russians told the Khazarians, you people had better get a religion, or we're going to have to slaughter you because you're, you're literally drinking the blood off our children, and we can't have that anymore. Um, but there's no origin story for Hebrew. We do have, by the way, Hebraic script chiseled in rocks here in the west coast of um, uh, the United States. It's all up and down. It goes into Canada, it goes into Mexico, and down into uh, South America. And so it existed here at the same time it existed as a, as a script and a language in Judea. Um, and so it's called first tongue over here, and they call it Proto-Hebrew if you're uh, of the Jewish persuasion, right? Because they want to hype that. But first tongue predates all of that stuff. And so we don't have that origin story for it. Um, but we have a lot of stories about space aliens written in uh, Hebrew. And so, uh, you know, we get the Bible and, and uh, the Torah and there's, there's others. And there's also, by the way, many, many, many books that are not put in the Bible. And so this is not, in my opinion, a... Uh, you know, a God thing at all. It's a space alien thing. Uh, anyway, guys. <laughs> okay, so I'm at my next destination here. Got to do some work here, and then I'll head home in a bit. Um, it's really interesting, the war we find ourselves in, and how much of it is uh, dependent upon in terms of understanding, dependent upon our ability to grasp that this war has been going on probably over a thousand years if we want to include the devas and that sort of thing. And that most of us don't have a fucking clue as to what's happening. Okay, guys, more of these later.
and I'll be talking to Lee later on, Lee Merritt, so check her uh, YouTube channel out, or Rumble. I think it's Rumble, yeah. All right, bye.